Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm joined today by my good friend, Todd, the Todd father himself, at TC underscore Kasho. Todd, what's going on, brother? Oh, man, any day that uh, you get to talk about Tottenham Hotspur taking uh, six Premier League points in a single week is a good fucking day. 3-0 against Norwich today. And uh, Sonny got to shoot some more webs at folks. It was worthwhile. Yeah, the, uh, the the Spider-Man hype is real with that guy and him and him and Tom Holland hanging out together. I love all of the all of the vibes there. And the one person that it really excites is my stepdaughter, who is a huge Tom Holland and Kyungmin Sun fan. So um, Perfect. the combination of the two have just got her all fired up, which is great. Uh, <laughs> we've also got Scott in the house at DSM Spurs. Scott, it's good, my friend. Dude, I'm feeling great. Not only did we get three points, but. I've been telling everybody for fucking years that Dyer, Davies, and Skip are world class. <laughs> they're fucking world class. So I not only did I get three points today, I also told everyone that I've been fucking right for years, and it feels really good. We Welcome will certainly we will certainly come on to that trio because uh, they are certainly getting their flowers, and and rightfully so. I really enjoyed the exchange that that Alistair Gold uh, had on 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 Twitter. Uh, earlier today, Sunday, where he, you know, he's been giving Ben Davis his his praise for 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 many many years, and uh, has always been a big Ben Davis fan, as have I, and uh, I think he's been driving the bus, and I've been sitting shotgun with him. So that's fair. Uh, we we will come on to to the Ben Davis praise as well, but let's start with the the starting eleven because um we did a we did a little mini pod on Thursday, a little shortened version after the Brentford victory, which was also extremely promising and a, and a clean sheet. Um, and we got one change in the 11 from today, and it seems like it was just due to illness. Uh, Emerson Royale out. Uh, Brian Heal also didn't make the bench because of illness, but Emerson out of the 11, and Tanganga comes in for him. And guys, if if we're going to nitpick about anything today, and I'll I'll be the one to nitpick a little bit with some things, and you guys know me, I I like to to pick nits, and and you guys like to tell me why I'm why I'm just being a hater. But Tanganga, I thought, was the one kind of non-bright spot from today's match. I didn't think Tanganga had it really from the start. He kind of looked off of it a little bit. But I think it's also there's also something to be said where I don't think Tanganga is a right wing back. I yeah, I was going to say, you mean the center back that was starting at right wing back today who looked exactly. like a center back playing right wing back today? Like, yeah, dude, he looked like, like which, he was playing out of position. What do you want from the guy? <laughs> right, which I can kind of excuse. Like, he's the he's the guy that has to come in in that spot. Um, I guess the other option would be Matt Doherty, who we saw uh, come in as a sub for, for Tanganga after about 60 or so minutes. Um, and I actually thought Doherty looked okay. He did. Because um, he's in, a right in, wing back. <laughs> right, in limited run there. So, um, you know, any other thoughts? I, and Todd, let's go to you, man. Like, this 11 is starting to kind of form itself, at least when Emerson's I mean, healthy, right? It's listen and, and yes is the the short answer to that question. Having some sort of continuity in our eleven is a nice thing to have. Unfortunately, um, the best teams at the top of this league don't just have an eleven. They can chop and change as they need to in order to rotate people in uh, and still not lose form and not lose points. More importantly, um, some continuity a little bit, sure, but uh, especially when you're playing as many competitions as you're expected to play in as a top team in this league, uh, you have to be able to interchange players. So what I appreciate is the fact that we are seeing quality minutes out of people like Ben Davies, uh, which we'll come on to. And we're seeing quality minutes out of people um, like Joffa Tanginga, as much as it was a very uh, woof 
We'll see. Yeah. And I watched Home Alone last night. So what you put in the chat today, Andrew, made me, yeah. made me Tanganga. Woof. That was that was one much. of my early notes of this match because <laughs> it was just Tanganga Wolf. And like I said, I can kind of excuse it because I don't think that he I don't think he's a fullback. I don't think he's a wingback. I think the guy's a center back. Um, and I give him I give him his flowers because I think he can play on the left side of a center back pairing as well or or a, or a three as well if need be and i think in a pinch he can even play as a left back if, if you really need him to but i think his best spot is in that right center back spot um and that's where we've seen davison sanchez in a in a perfect world maybe we see you know davison sanchez who who will get his flowers today for an angry goal that he scored shout out to to the to the stadio podcast like that was that was cool to see but overall i think if we analyze the last handful of matches i think we can safely say that Davison Sanchez hasn't looked great and he's looked like Davison Sanchez. Right. Well, that's that. And that's, that's what you get to. I mean, and it's where we are, right? It's, it's what I appreciate is the fact that you knew that Conte was going to come in and get a song out of somebody that you weren't expecting. I didn't know that, that um, we were going to begin to see Ben Davies uh, Maldini comparisons, but I mean, you know, you, you knew that he had something up his sleeve. Uh, ben Davies, however, um, does all the little things well. And that's a Conte. That's, I mean, that's just, that's how you do yourself to a guy like Conte. Devin Sanchez, on the other hand, uh, has all the talent in the world, but oftentimes shits the bet on the little things. And that's how you find yourself uh, playing in uh, the championship (laughs) under a guy like Conte. So um, I I think that uh, there's still some big misses in terms of the personnel that we have on this team in order to do the things that Conte wants to do to be truly special. But I think that, um, there's definitely some form taking shape uh, in terms of, and it's in the stats, Andrew, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But under this team, there's an identity. It's I, I think Nathan A. Clark from 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 uh, you know friend of the pod from the uh, extra inch uh, said something like you know uh, previously bad players playing good coaching matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which. Which for 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 months and months was the debate: is it the players? Is it the manager? You know, I think it's. I, I still think it's a combination of both. I still think Agreed. there are players that need that need improvement in this in this squad. But at least Conte has come in in and in four matches now uh, in the Premier League, been able to get ten points and and a seven to one uh, goal difference. Um, Scott, what is your take on? I guess this the, the way that this eleven is forming, but then especially hone in on you know because we saw in this match especially in the first, you know, 10 to 20 minutes. I mean, Spurs were up, but they were still under some pressure and there was still some, you know, there was some bend, but not a lot of break, especially from that trio that we were talking about, the Dyer, Davis, and and Oliver Skip continues to impress in that midfield too. Yeah. Well, Todd Todd transitioned really well into how I wanted to, to come in about the lineup and looking first at Conte, right? Because, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to go as far as, as you know, to, to maybe highlight Mourinho or Nuno. I don't really think that's even necessary at this point, but I do got to give a lot of credit to, to Conte and then even back to Pochettino because I'll make a comparison, right? But coaching really does matter. Um, when you look at what Poch came in, right? All, he didn't really bring anybody in from the previous year's team that got seventh. He just binned off a couple of the assholes and then wouldn't win and got fifth place, right? And then I think fourth the next year or something or second maybe I don't even remember it's all it's all it's all a blur but it was awesome and 
Pochettino made an immediate impact with his coaching, and we're seeing the same thing from Conte. And, um, you know, Conte certainly carries more clout than Poch did when he got here, and, you know, I think it's probably exacerbated as to how much of an impact the coaching is having because we look good. Um, and I think the interesting thing is you look at this team, and this if I'm a manager and I come into this squad, I look – I look at what's available and I think this is probably the way that we need to play, right? You have a you have a core group of three or four guys that can play the wing back position well enough. Um you've got two guys up top who have proven to be very efficient at just giving being given a complete striker free role to just go play soccer, right? Um and then you've got Skip and Hoybier who are proven to be very good at, at defending a back line. Um and then when I look at guys like Tanganga like Davies, like Rodon, all of them are very well-suited to a back three. And so I really don't know why under Nuno we weren't playing one, right? But I think the the, the style of play that Conte brings to any team he's going to manage is very well-suited to what we have available right now, right? And that's taking a group of center backs who really aren't that talented, um, getting three of them back there, and then teaching them how to play really organized, smart, you know, soccer. And um, and then you look at guys like Tanganga and Davies. I think Tanganga, we're going to start seeing him at right center back more and more. You know, him, him and Sanchez, I think, will carry that position because Conte does need those to be guys who can get forward and have the ball at their feet. And you look at Davies and Tanganga, and, and Sanchez used to be known for being pretty good on the ball when he was at Ajax, right? And that kind of went away at some point. But um, all those guys have power and pace, and especially Davies and Tanganga are pretty pretty solid on the ball. So it makes a lot of sense why we're seeing what we're seeing because the personnel suited to it and a manager that that is deploying it is world-class and um, understands how to get the best out of these guys. But we're, we're a different team for sure, without question, and it's one person specifically that has done that for us, right? And it's not Harry Kane. <laughs> I think the other important thing to remember too is that you know, is Sanchez and Tanganga holding down that right center back spot. If they can do that over the next month and a half, two months until Christian Romero returns, yeah. then, then this team really has something cooking. You would expect mm-hmm. that, that, that hopefully Romero can come back from that injury and insert himself right back into that, that, well, that trio of center backs. Yeah. And, and, and Davis. Yeah. And I, sorry to cut you off, but I just, I, I think it has to be said that, you know, first you make a good point about Romero because I would assume our back three is Davies, Dyer, Romero when he gets back, right? And I think Sanchez is stepping in 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 Romero's place until he comes back. I think there's this there's a I think there was this idea when we signed Romero that he would play at at the tip of of you know that that triangle, if you will, on that back three. But it's totally going to be Eric Dyer. I, I'll, yep. I'll say if anything on that. Romero will be on the right-hand side and Davies on the left. And then I think Sanchez backs Romero up, right? I think Tanganga would be smart to to do whatever he can, and I'm sure he is, right, to, to play on that left side because I think Davies is going to need somebody to help him out over there. And sadly, I do not think Joe Rodon is going to be part of this back line, you know, really ever. Um, so Tanganga, I think, could back up Davies. But even if we don't sign a center back – and we have those five guys and you even maybe a road on around to back up Dyer if we needed it. Right. I think we're okay. Um, and that's again, Conte, right? I, it, it is Conte. The other thing that I wanted to touch on that Conte has done, and this is something that uh, our good friend Dustin Dietz pointed out uh, on, on Twitter, the energy level. And, and I don't even think it's energy level so much as fitness 
the the difference since Conte joined Spurs has been extremely, extremely prevalent to me. We saw it, especially in the Leeds match with this team's ability to come back from down one goal um, and, and, and win a match. I think, I think that this team is not, and this is something that in that a lot of people, I think in terms of fitness and running and, you know, kilometers covered, I think it's something that people think takes a long time to establish, but you know, Conte has been here a few weeks and I, we've already seen a short term difference. And I think it's something that can only improve over months as he continues to get to, to build his fitness regimen and build a team well, that is going to outrun other teams. I think it's a level of professionalism is what we're seeing, Andrew. I think that, you know, Nuno very much had a hey, we're just happy to be here. We're, we're, we're excited to make the fans happy and, and proud again. And, and Jose was like, fuck you, I do it my way, and you'll see the results. And, and that's very much how all three of these teams have played, right? And the one yeah. thing that you'll notice about the Conte team is that it's they're playing with intent, Scott. And you know the value of intent in, in terms of a, a, a professional uh, standpoint. And, and we're seeing it on the football pitch right now. These players have a job to do. Conte's given it to him. He's been very clear about the instructions. He does not mince words. He's very in your face about what's expected of you. And if you do it poorly, he will replace your ass and have somebody do it better. Or if he values you and thinks that you can do it better and just need to be given a little bit more coaching, he'll spend the time to make sure that uh, from a fitness and uh, focus standpoint, you are prepared properly. Uh, And we're seeing that on the field. Yeah, well, 100%. A friend of the pod, Dustin Dietz, brought this up in a, in a mention, and and you know, thanks for listening, Dustin. But he, you you mean you mean kind of like how I kicked off this conversation by mentioning <laughs> that? Oh, did you? Sorry, sorry. I, I... <laughs> hey, you, hey, this is this is this is proof that Scott doesn't listen to the podcast even when he's on the podcast. He just uh, kind there, of chimes in whenever there... he wants. Is there a minimum Dustin Dietz mentions uh, requirement <laughs> on this spot? Is that's what's happening right now? Dustin Deeds, thank you, my friend. No, but I, you know what I was going to say. <laughs> thank you, Andrew. But the uh, the idea we here, haven't gotten a Norwich out of Scott, so I had to rag him about uh, that's Norwich. Fair enough. Norwich, you know what? Fuck you. Right. <laughs> Let me get to my point here. <laughs> friend of the pod, he dropped in a mention that you know that it's that hour mark. That's the point I want to really really focus in on is is it is proof that you can do this quickly and the human body re- reacts and adapts very fast. And we all heard Regulon point out whenever it was that those were like the two hardest weeks of his career. Right. So I think Conte just pushed their bodies to the absolute max. And, you know, as, as we see an inter- international break is all you need to get your team in really good shape because we're in very good shape. That's true. The other thing that I wanted to come on there too, really quick is, is just in terms of how quickly, you know, regime change can take hold. You, if you've been in a professional environment where like a, a, a new leader comes into a given role and they start to implement their system, it doesn't take months to figure out how they're going to run the show and how things are going to go underneath them. Like, you know, in a few days, like what the fuck is up. And that's, I think Conte is very much the same way. You know, he took a couple of weeks, kind of got the lay of the land and that's like, most most good leaders will come in and they'll spend two three weeks trying to trying to get their feet wet, trying to understand the situation, and trying to figure out how they're going to implement their strategy before they deploy it. But once they do, once they flip that switch, every single person in that building knows how it's going to go. That's what we're seeing at Tottenham, and it's pretty fucking exciting. And, and well, I think well, go ahead, Scott. No, no, no sorry, sorry. Um, well, I'm just going to say, you know, I think to Todd's point, it's really well said. We needed somebody like Conte 
at this club who could come in and just drop a couple hammers. Like you look at when Nuno came in and, and I, again, not to pick on Nuno, I think he's a great guy, but he didn't have the ability to, to bend Tongi off. Like he didn't have the ability to sit Kane if it gets to that. Right. Like Conte is the type of guy where he can come in and say, get out of my squad. And no one really has any leg to stand on. If he says that, right. Or with a guy like Nuno, it's like, Hey, you know, you did okay at Wolves with a, like a champions league budget you know, as a mid-table Premier League team. And do do I really need to sit? You know, that, that, that's kind of the thought process. But with Conte, that's not even a fucking option, right? And that's exactly what the squad needed. Um, so very, very important, I think. That I, I think I think the other important thing to, to, to that we're going to need to watch out for, and especially going into the, the depths of December and with the fixtures and everything and potential injury stuff, you, you just have to make sure that this isn't just a one of those short-term – three week managerial bumps and that this can be maintained. And I think that Conte, I have every confidence in the world that Conte can maintain something like this. Um, But you just have to make sure that this isn't one of those short term bumps and that this can be a, a rising tide lifts all boats type of scenario. And like I said, with Antonio Conte at the helm, I think everyone should and, and, and would have the confidence in that. Um, I mentioned the injuries and you mentioned a couple minutes ago, Scott, a guy like Sergio Reguilon, he did pick up a knock in this game and had to come out uh, after what was it about 20, 20, 22 minutes. Um, he did, he did post on Twitter after the match that he would be okay. And he'd be back in a few days. Um, and he said, it, don't it, sell me in fantasy premier league. So yeah. just, just be, you know, <laughs> a few so we'll, days is for real. Yeah. We'll the see. How that, we'll see how that plays out. It is interesting with, with Spurs playing their final group league match in the Europa Conference League on Thursday, and knowing that Ryan Sessegnon, because of the red card he picked up in the previous match, is suspended, I am kind of interested in the short term as to how that left wing back spot works out. If that's something that we need to stick, you know, Ben Davis out there, if if Reggion can't go, or if and and sticking you know Joe Rudd on at left center back or something, I I'd be interested to see, or if Matt Doherty maybe goes out to the left. I know we saw him come on as a sub and play on the left uh, at one point earlier this season. So you could even play Tanganga out there if you absolutely had to. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes on Thursday, but it seems like hopefully Reggion has avoided anything serious and long-term. The other injury we saw in this match was toward the end of the game uh, and Pierre Hoybier with a groin injury. And that's another one that we're still kind of waiting on information about, and we'll have to see. But that would be, you know, because the combination of him and Skip in that midfield. And look, I, I am, I am continuing to, you know, present the mea culpa. Like I did not think that Hoybier and Skip in this midfield. I thought it was too defensive. I thought it was not, you know, not going to be enough and and more an abandonment of the midfield. But it has worked. And granted, it is it has worked against the likes of of Leeds, Everton, Brentford, and Norwich. But it has worked, and and I think that that's a really positive sign. But um, if PEH has to miss any time, that would certainly hurt this team as well, uh, especially in the short term. I mean, so everybody, Oliver Skip is getting his praise up and down the you know Spurs Twitterverse or whatever right now. All the pundits are in love with Oliver Skip, and rightfully so. He's a fucking baller. I've myself been giving him praise for a long period of time on this very uh podcast here uh however i i've said regularly that the thing that has made dyer look so good the thing that has made davies look so good and the thing that has made oliver skip look so good is that hoybier is a goddamn dump truck in the middle of that pitch and does all of the dirty work and it's something where without him 
who are we going to see? Skippy? And Winks? I don't know, man. I did now. What does that do? What you know? Do you put do you put Tenganga in there at that point in time? It absolutely weakens the spine of this team, and I don't I don't know. Given the way that we've been relying on certain players, um, how the removal of Hoybier for any length of time will impact our our team. Well, and that speaks to the to the lack of depth in this team because there's not if you if you remove skip or hoybier one or the other god forbid both um and and we talked about it with the center backs that there's there's weird depth stuff there you know we're we're not completely sold on davis sanchez as a fill-in for christian romero we're not really sold on any kind of a a, a, a left wing back um replacement for region if he were to be out i mean sesignan is there but and and we i think we like what we see from sesignan but obviously <laughs> you know what he did in the conference league um, getting himself suspended with two two silly yellows, you know that there's always that potential. The midfield, though, there's not a perfect plug and play for Hoybier or Skip. They are similar but not identical players in 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 what they're it's really able weird. To do. It is, and 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 you can't just sub Lacelso and Dombele, Delhi, Winks for any of those guys, and it doesn't work the same. It's it they're 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 complete um, square peg round hole type of situations in that midfield. So you're right. It is it, it is a a statement about the depth of this team and and kind of where the parts are working, and it, it makes me nervous going into this run of fixtures about potential knocks and and just rotation in general and needing to to have guys fresh scott what do you feel about kind of the the depth going as we barrel toward january especially in that midfield definitely concerning i mean we're gonna see if if ph is actually injured right we're gonna see our our boy harry wings play quite a bit um and I, i i i'm not as concerned as i was under nuno with harry wings i think I think Conte has probably shaped him up a little bit, and I just think he probably fits the Conte system a little bit better than than he did, you know, uh, the four three three we were trying to play under Nuno. So I think Winks will be okay, but beyond Winks, we really don't have a whole lot, right? We've PH is actually injured as Winks and Skip, and then I'm really or Skip and Winks rather, and then I'm not sure after that, right? Um, got some guys in the academy who who are available. Um, but we're going to need those two to, to play a lot of minutes and, you know, winks and skip when I say those two. So um, very unfortunate timing with the, with the Christmas fixtures and, and that schedule coming up. But I guess we don't have any official news, right? So hopefully he comes back a little bit more quickly than, than we all yeah. are reading between the lines over, right? And, and uh, we're okay. But it's starting to, to make me think that in January, a center mid is going to be really important. And if we all feel that way, obviously the club does, right? But um, that's probably something that we haven't talked about a whole lot because I think we're so focused on the center back position and backup striker, right wing back, etc. But we're going to need to do something in the midfield because I, I don't think it's really hit me until right now that we really only have three guys capable of playing that position. Well, a couple of months ago, there was that – well, a couple of weeks ago, and it feels like a couple of months ago in the 24-hour news cycle. But uh, the Frank Cassia had a rumor of a pre-contract in January, had some legs to it. So that wouldn't surprise me, especially now, Scotty, if something like that pops back up. I would love that. And honestly, there's a couple of guys at at Inter Milan who are are coming off – or who who are going to have their contracts end here. And I know – I always get them mixed up. It's like Brozovic and – 
I think it's Brozovic who's, who hasn't renewed his contract and got along really well with Conte and has lines of ferocity. But we need somebody in January, not necessarily this summer. Um, and then, of course, there's the Tongi and there's the Geo conversation, right? And I don't know if we're ready to get into that mess of shit right now. But <laughs> Bring it. I mean, Fuck. Ugh. Yep. I don't trust either of them in the in the in that two man midfield at all. Yeah, it almost feels like those guys need to be playing ahead of two more more defensive midfielders. Yeah. Like like Koibier and Skip. And well, that that just doesn't work for, for, for this formation or the tactics. Well, and it doesn't work for the personnel that we have. There's no possible way that you can put those guys who don't necessarily feel like or ever really play as much defense as you want them to uh, in front of Dyer and Davies and Sanchez and be comfortable. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, because well, it just doesn't yeah. work for the formation, let alone, well, it also the, let alone the tactics. Well, the, how many goals that you've seen from midfield where you're looking at the back of Lacelso and Ndombele and then the three defenders who just got split because mm-hmm. nobody was standing in fucking front of them, man? Like, like it's it doesn't work for the for the personnel and it doesn't work for the system or the formation. Yeah, cool. So it Here, like, make sense. if either of them are deployed in a free role in front of those two, then you're sitting Sonner Lucas and fuck that. Don't don't sit either of those boys, right? We. Um, just not happening. So I just I don't I don't know what Tongi and Gio expect of of their future at Spurs, but I think Gio maybe has more of a of an open door than Tongi does. But something's got to get figured out with those two. And um, I think Gio is more of an injury thing, but it doesn't seem like Tongi's somebody who Conte you know cares to play too much. Um, so before we before we move on from this match, Andrew, can we just say that um, though he is not a killer like Sonny. Or Harry Kane, uh, Lucas does score some nice goals, and that was an yeah. absolute fucking banger this morning. My goodness, it it was. I saw I saw after the match he called it one of his top three goals for the club, which is interesting because if as you all might remember, he scored he scored three really really <laughs> important goals one time. I don't know. Um, and and if he's placing this in the top three, that is kind of interesting. But yeah, it's Burnley, right? Those, those <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was some other uh, Dutch uh, team, but, but um, hey. I don't know. Yeah, but, but no, it was it was a banger. You're right, and it was um, the way he controlled the ball in in that little frantic right. spot was 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 really cool. And then just the the finish was incredible. You're right, it was it was great. Well, so spicy. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up, Todd. And it's very important to point out that goal. I also I do want to take a second, if you guys don't mind, to just gush on Ben Davies briefly too, and. So some somebody uh, had mentioned. Let me pull up my mentions here. Adam at AS three TTV, big body Ben. He used to be dusty, right? <laughs> I, I I will say this: it's funny, and I love the comment, but I don't think Ben Davies used to be dusty at all. I, I pulled up some stats here while I wasn't listening to you guys talk. Um, we're gonna look at the sixteen seventeen season, which eighty six points, our best ever Premier League season, right? Dog. That was the Walker Rose era. So I've got I've got Rose and, and Davies pulled up here that season. Davies oust Rose in games played, minutes played. This is all Premier League. This isn't all comps, right? Games played, minutes played, pass accuracy, crossing accuracy, successful crosses from open play, through balls attempted, tank off successes, dual success, blocks, and clean sheets. Like he he wiped Rose clean that year in stats. And Rose was out half the year with injuries, but like all of it's comparable. Like 
It's 18 games played to Davies 23, 1,500 minutes played to Davies 1,700 minutes played. So it's not like I'm looking at skewed stats here either. Like Ben Davies is a fucking good defender, and I he just he's he he just doesn't do anything like flashy or extra. And we live in this stupid world where like you have to be like Neymar with flicks and tricks in order to be viewed as a reputable footballer. But Ben Davies has played for every manager since he's came to the club. He was signed the same summer as Pochettino. Right. That was a long time ago. And he's he has he's got to be like top five caps for the current squad. You know, like Sonny and Kane are up there, of course. But like calm it down. That's aggressive. No, dude. I mean, look, I'm just only the only thing I'm going to ask is that as you as you pass both myself and Alistair Gold on the bus, as you as you take your seat in the toward the back, like just don't don't trip over my foot. Don't you know, don't elbow me as you as you get on the bus. Like, just just. Go ahead, take a seat, uh, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the view. Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we stop? No, I, I the one the one oh. other point I'll make about this though, and and I want to I want to continue to give the flowers to, and and look, this is maybe premature, and and maybe just me continuing to do the mea culpa, but like, I see Oliver Skip different position, but as, in a similar light as Ben Davis, he doesn't do it flashy, he doesn't, but he's it's it's just solid, it's just. It's steady and it's solid and it's there's no massive, you know, horrific mistakes and it's just been solid. And that's what this club is kind of it feels like it's kind of built into the DNA of this club is just like like lunch pail guys. I know that's like a, a very cliched statement, but like just lunch pail guys who are going to turn in six and a half sevens, seven point fours occasionally and just be really, really good and go out there and do a job and not do it in a flashy way. They don't need the Neymars of the world on this club. They, they, you know, they've got Hyungmin son to do that kind of flashy stuff and, and shoot the webs. Like Listen, they right. need guys at the back that are, that are, that are workmen like, like this. And Ben Davis is one of them. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank each and every one of you for saying those very nice things about Ben Davies. I appreciate it greatly. And what I will also say to you is that in the time, Scotty, first off, don't ever fucking bring up stats from six years ago. What are you doing? <laughs> Secondly, you know, not, what, six years ago, 2017? Get the heck out of here. Anyway. No, you know what? It's, no, that's, that's our best ever Premier League season. Like 2016. Anyway, I, I, it's just, it's, you, do how many, how, how different are you than you were six years ago, Scott? Um, my point is that Ben Davies has been. My point was that Ben Davies has been a good footballer. I understand, but uh, there's there have also been several points in that time where I have looked at Ben Davies and said, "You are flat and out not good enough to play the position at this level." You're so, wrong, man. No, I'm, I'm just saying, saying, like, dude, I've seen him. <laughs> I can't tell you the amount of times that I saw him skin in the Champions League when we were trying to do some things where I was just like, "God damn it!" Paulo Dybala made him look pedestrian like three or four different times. Paulo Dybala makes a lot of people look pedestrian. And I understand, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, we have these aspirations. You're trying to fucking compare this guy to the greatest ever fucking se- Get the fuck out of here. What he is, is he is a very effective player at doing one specific job extremely well. And we finally have a manager in a system that is asking him to do that and do that consistently. And when you give anybody confidence and consistency in their role... They're going to do a job. And I appreciate the shit out of that. And I, and for what we have and what we need right now, 
I'm really glad that we're starting to see in the last four performances out of Mr. 6.4, as he's been referred to on this show, his last four performances, according to No Free Ads FOTMOB, um, 7-6-6-8-7-1-8-1, including the match today, is extremely respectable out of anybody on the team. I don't give a fuck who you are or what position you play. So the fact that we're getting those performances out of Ben Davies, kudos to you, sir. Kudos to you. And I appreciate that. If that's the type of Ben Davies that we're going to get going forward, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm, I'm, sign me up for, for the slice of humble pie with you, Andrew. I think that the consistency is, is, is the big thing that, that I've always appreciated out of him. And that's kind of what I mean. The, 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 the lunch pail aspect to just go do a job. He's and, Mario. And, and, He's fucking Mario. Yes. And like you said, there is something to be said about a guy who can just go do one thing really well and a coach who can get that out of him. And I think, like I said, I think we're seeing a similar thing right now out of Oliver Skip that we are out of Ben Davis. And I like both of them. And I, I don't, I don't need either of them to be flashy or turn in eight point ones every week. I think Oliver Skip, and this is so cliche to say, but I, I, I need to say it. I think Oliver Skip's ceiling and his evolution under Conte will be significantly greater than Ben Davies. I think Ben Davies will hone this Ben Davies role, and I think he'll, he'll, he'll kind of craft it and make it his own and do really, really well in this one spot. I think that this is this kind of like, like it's working. So don't fuck with it. I I I think think Skip, on the other hand, you're starting to see him move forward a little bit more as, as we're kind of pushing up the field, you're starting to see him get involved in some um, overlap play. You're starting to see him have a little bit more confidence around the box at this level, which is not something that we've seen out of him previously. He's always just been do the job and then have, you know, have the have the defenders backs like these are the types of things that are that we're seeing under Conte that we didn't see out of Skippy before and it's the reason why as much as I'm excited about what uh you know what we're seeing the type of solid performance another man of the match arguably performance out of Skippy again today I think the ceiling on him is what excites me most no, I, I, I agree with you, and there is certainly that potential for growth. I mean, we saw him get get after it a little bit today, like going forward, as you mentioned, which was, I mean, he had that shot early on, and um, it, it, it's, it is exciting to, to, to see that kind of stuff, and um, it'll be exciting to see it going forward. We still got a lot to get to, guys. There's some other topics I want to hit here. Um, there is still one kind of albatross hanging over this match that I want to discuss, and we'll do a lot of that. Uh, and talk some big big picture stuff as well. And we'll do that right after this. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back into the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm joined by Todd and Scott. And guys, um, before the break, we were talking about a lot of the, you know, skips and the Davis and, you know, a lot of the big performances, not only out of this game, but that we've seen of late. The one guy that I think has been improving a little bit, but we're still waiting for something more to come from is Harry Kane. And uh, I don't know what else there is to say about Harry Kane other than he hasn't looked on it 
at all this season. I mean, we now know that Davis Sanchez has as many goals in the Premier League as Harry Kane does this season, which is mind-boggling. Um, he had a couple of opportunities today, and you know, I, I can think of that one where he tried to chip uh, Tim Krul from, from from a little bit of a distance, which was really like a missed opportunity for him. He had a couple of other chances that that were good scoring opportunities. Um, Scott, I want to start with you on this because you've been, you know. You've been the Harry Kane uh, hammer, if you will. You've been bashing him all season. And I just want to give you the opportunity to, to say, I guess my question to you is, have you at least seen improvement out of him in the, in, in, in the few recent matches? And are you seeing an upward trajectory at least from this guy? Yeah, I think so. Um, Kane, it there, there's so many layers to this, right? Because we all know what happened over the summer. It wasn't great. Um, I don't think... I would have any criticism of him had he handled himself in the press differently. Right. And you guys know sure. that it wasn't the the desire to leave that I, that I can't stomach. It was just the, the whole process. Right. Um, yeah, it was the way he went about it. Exactly. Now, and now he's back and I'm happy because he's Harry Kane, um, but he's not scoring goals. I think we can say all kinds of things like his head's probably still a little bit turned, blah, blah, blah. Like I think, I think, you can say there's logic behind asking the question is the chemistry with his teammates off a little bit, but I don't actually think Kane's playing that poorly because we're winning games by, by large margins. And I said in the last episode that a big piece of that is Kane's movement off of the ball and what he does to the, to the back line. And he, he allows a lot of space for these guys that are scoring goals right now. And so I don't think Kane's playing that poorly actually. And if I know Harry Kane to be the same Harry Kane that I've always thought him to be, he's thrilled with the points we're securing, regardless of his goal turn, right? Um, but I also think he wants to score goals because he's a striker and he's a good fucking striker and good strikers want to score too. So we'll, we'll see him continue to improve, and I think we will see him start scoring again. Um, but I think it has to be said that this does have something to do with the way that we're playing as a unit, right? Todd, what are your thoughts on Harry Kane recently? It's complicated. Your 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 side tells me everything. Well, he's playing really well. He's just not scoring goals, and yeah. he's Harry Kane. So everybody's like, "Hey, fucking score some goals!" Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's that's what you do. That's so do do the thing that you do. But I mean, realistically, you know, he's he's. Over sevens in the last three games, you know, I, the passing in the Brentford match was f- fucking otherworldly. Um, he's the best number 10 that we have on the team, which is weird because he's also the best number nine that we have on the team, which we'll come on. I, we'll come on to this to Sonny's goal at the end of that because he was beefy today. Um, but what I have to say about Harry Kane is that I agree with Scott. If he's the same Harry Kane that we know him to be, he's thrilled at the success that this squad is having. He's thrilled that we're winning. And if you know anything about strikers, it's very much a field position. It's something where it's not like Harry Kane forgot how to score fucking goals. It's going to be one of those things where he's going to get on a streak. He's going to score a goal. And then all of a sudden he's going to, all of a sudden he's going to score a hatful because that's what Harry Kane does. So, you know, we'll get to where we need to get to and he'll be fine. Again, we're, we're still not at Christmas boys. Yeah, no, it's true. I want to throw a few numbers out uh, that that Scott can roll his eyes at, 
But um, expected goals today for for Tottenham was 1.43. Obviously, they scored three goals, so bully for them, and that's great. But of the 1.43 expected goals, Harry Kane had on his own 0.42 expected goals. That was higher than Sun, Lucas, higher than Sanchez, higher than pretty much anyone that I can find. Um, It it was a big number that he put up in terms of XG himself, Um, you know, about a third of, 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 of the teams it, 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 as a whole. So I think that's, that shows that he's producing, you know, he's producing shots, which look, listen, we're, we're not far removed from a period of time where Tottenham went, what was it? Two and a half matches without a shot on goal. Um, so Incredible. he's, he's producing shots. He's producing chances. He's running a little bit more, which I, 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 I like seeing, I want to see him run, but, it is like it is kind of a weird thing it's the finishing part of it that is has always been his his mantra and his mo um but he hasn't been able to quite accomplish that part of it which is he's, which is bizarre he's missed five big chances in the league this year which is um one behind uh <laughs> that bald guy that plays down the road uh so you never want to be close to that guy really in, in missing uh open chance categories uh, but what I, what I will say is that, and that's not a shot at ball guys. It's just simply to say like, embrace who you are. Like, yeah, better Obama not Yang. be. I mean, come Obama, on. Obama, Yang, it's, it's tough, buddy. It's, it's tough. To, it's tough to see for everybody. Embrace the razor. You got it. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> that guy misses sitters for a living. So like, you never want to be close to him. Harry, Harry just hasn't looked on it in the Tottenham kit this year in front of goal. And, and I don't know if that's simply to say like, I don't know, there's been a couple of those chances where he, you just kind of look at it and go, did you really, did you really just fluff that chance? Harry King? Yeah. Like, especially after I saw you score like five goals in two games for England or whatever it was, like did you really just come back and like flash that across the face of the goal, just all silly with your left foot. Really? And, I, I and know, to man. Scott's, to Scott's point about his head being turned, I don't know that that's the case any longer. I think if Nuno Espirito Santo was still here, I think that might be a little bit more of the case, but Antonio Conte in, I think he's still just getting his, his bearings, which is weird to say now that we are what, 14 games into the season um, and throw in the, 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 the cup matches and the league cup matches. What are we? We're probably a full 22 games or so 23 games into, into the full season in all comps, something like that. So it's a little weird to be saying that with, with that many games under your belt, but um, it seems like he's still just trying to get his bearings, but I don't, I don't, I think he knows, I think he knows at this point that he missed his opportunity to leave Spurs and that, that, that chance is gone. on that point though, let me ask you a quick question. I was literally just thinking about asking you this question. So at times, well, is there ever a world where Conte goes to the board and says, sell Harry Kane for 120 million, buy me these two guys or I walk like Number one, I don't. Number one, I don't think you're getting 120 million for Harry Kane. At least 100. Oh, I just I can't do this. I can't do this conversation today. (laughs) This is just we're not going to do the how much is Harry Kane worth conversation. I agree. I don't really want to get into that. What I what I will say what I will say is this is that Harry Kane is not the last striker on the planet, and Antonio Conte has won with far less strikers than Harry Kane. And uh, if he wants to go, there's some guy named Vlahovich that uh, Antonio Conte knows very well that would love to come in and take a spot. There's a bunch of other players that would come and play striker for Tottenham Hotspur if Harry Kane is no longer here. 
So if we need another striker, we, we, we can certainly go get one of those. The hope is we don't have to do that because I don't remember the last time in knock on all the things. I don't remember the last time I, I watched Harry Kane miss a fucking penalty. Uh, or at least not follow it up by scoring yeah. the goal after it got saved. Like when it comes to him being dialed in, there are uh, maybe two more lethal strikers on the planet, and one of them might be wearing number seven standing next to him. Um, like they, realistically, like there are a handful of people that you would want in front of goal with your life on the line above Harry Kane, and we ha- we don't have those guys. We have Harry Kane, so. Whether or not he misses opportunity to leave Spurs or whether or not we can sell him and get somebody else, it doesn't matter. What we should be talking about right now is the psyche of a guy that wanted to leave in the summer, that didn't get his opportunity, that allowed his brother to fuck his business life up, that put him in a position to where uh, he was made a fool in front of the national media, that then had to go back to a fan base that he betrayed and had to get his shit together, and then play for a manager that was essentially a U13 guy, and then try to figure out how to fucking navigate uh, being a professional again, and then get this new boss that's back to physical demanding professional football and then have to get your shit together and perform on the pitch. And it's just taken a little bit longer, man. It's just taken a little bit longer. It's been a rough year for Harry Kane. And as much as we want to look at him as a commodity that we could potentially move on for X amount of euros, the truth is, is this is a guy that's been on a fucking wild ride and given his heart and soul for the badge on the front of the shirt over the course of the last however many years of his life. And it's been a tough year for the guy. So if he's off to a little bit of a rough start, but still turning in seven point performances uh, on a weekly basis, like he's still fucking Harry Kane, guys. We'll be all right. Yeah, Todd, to your point, too. I mean, it has to be said, never have we seen a situation where somebody so talented and so beloved by their club blundered a situation so poorly over a transfer and flipped themselves that quickly right like i can't even think of a transfer situation that was more like seismic to to that individual player in like in the premier league history right like i think of things like like alan cheer and the newcastle saga but he went where he wanted right that's a whole different situation you can look at soul campbell and that was just a levy blunder um but yeah they always leave that's the thing yeah. is they always leave. Exactly. Like there's yeah. never been that type of, of, of media it. whirlwind. Yeah. And then, oh shit, he's got to go back to work on Monday. And yeah. then he doesn't show up. Like there's yeah. never been that. And then it's, oh, by the way, my bad. I was just on a little <laughs> vacay. We worked that shit out earlier. It's yeah. no big deal. I was in Florida. Yeah, like, it's whatever. Oh, COVID. Nah, it's of all, COVID. Of all places to be too. Right. Me. It's, I mean, just <laughs> shout out to our listeners in Florida. But. <laughs> No doubt, no Maybe doubt. Guys. Uh, but I've been sick now for three weeks after visiting there. So and go Bucks. So um, you know, uh, <laughs> but that's because you drink the water. It's a different conversation, Andrew. Um, I didn't. I trust me. There was no water consumed that week. Ice cubes. Ice cubes. <laughs> you, you don't even think about it. It gets you every time. Uh, <laughs> I live close to Mexico. I may have read this book once. Um, oh man. <laughs> so no, but hey, listen, guys, as we're looking at big picture on this. The thing is, is that regardless of what price tag number you want to put above his head, Harry Kane is still one of the best players in the world. Uh, Certainly was the guy that won the uh, Golden Boot and had the top playmaker award in the Premier League last year. Those are facts. Um, This is a guy that we've seen score more goals in the Tottenham Hotspur shirt than anybody else in our lifetime. Uh, And this is something where um, we can't 
take lightly the fact that when everything settles, when Antonio Conte finally gets in and Parasici finally gets this dialed in the way that they want, Harry Kane's still going to be here. And we're going to be firing on all cylinders. We haven't seen the best Tottenham team under Antonio Conte yet. With this squad, I'm not even saying adding players. Yeah. We haven't seen the best version of this team yet. When that happens, when we start clicking, if we're able to add a couple of key cogs in January, whew, shit. And that's impressive. That's impressive to think about. Let's. Let, Is it top four impressive? Well, that's let, let's let you you look at that. Look at the look at the the road you've paved for me to lead us into another big picture conversation, um, guys. Tottenham Hotspur, uh, fourteen matches played, twenty five points. They are two points and with a game in hand out of the fourth position, uh, which is currently occupied by West Ham, who, to their credit, got a really good and important win over Chelsea this weekend. That um, that winner was sexy. That winning yeah, goal was sexy. And 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 Shout to the look, guy. guys, West Ham have now beaten kind of everybody that's important uh they've beaten city liverpool chelsea they've beaten us they've beaten Leicester. <coughs> um i'm pretty sure they've also beaten that woolwich team which we won't we won't talk about the fact that they do still have a chance tomorrow monday to to go back ahead of us but I, i'm not really worried about them i'm not really that worried about manchester united i'm looking clear up at the fact that spurs are in a top four battle and i I'm going to, for my purposes, push aside Manchester City, Liverpool, and Chelsea right now and say, just for my purposes, that those guys are going to be the top three teams. That still leaves one top four spot open, and I think it is there for the taking uh, right now. And I think Spurs have every ability in order to, you know, every ability to go and grab that spot by the neck and and drag it for themselves. Todd, you're going to tell me to have bigger aspirations, right? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that. Um, I mean, because as you, I don't necessarily think that all three of those top spots are locked in uh, with, with City, Pool, and Chelsea. I think that there's two points that separate the three of those teams right now. Um, now, granted, uh, you know they're about what six points clear uh, of of the next closest team in West Ham, uh, but. Um, I don't necessarily, we're still not even at Christmas yet, boys. Like there's still a lot of season left. And listen, we've seen teams like Liverpool shit to bed down the stretch under Klopp before. Like that has definitely happened. We've seen Chelsea hit a poor run of form and we damn sure have seen West Ham do some wild and silly things. Like we know that there's still a lot of football to be played. I'm more worried about Manchester United uh, than anybody else because they have so many good players. And the thing is, is if you have good players under a bad manager and there's disarray, like you're not going to win. But if you have those same players under a manager who can fucking get their shit together, like they're still really good players and they can do really good things. Like that's something to be concerned about. I'm to be fair, more concerned about Manchester United than I am about West Ham. And, and probably, I don't know, to some extent, Definitely more concerned about Manchester United than West Ham, but probably to some extent, even even that Chelsea team a little bit. It looks like you, they don't necessarily look as strong as I thought they would at one point in time this year. Yeah, I I think Todd makes great points about all these teams because I do look at Liverpool. They did invest in a center back in Kanate, who's a fucking hell of a center back, right? And they and they did invest in in not obviously this past summer, but. Diogo Yota, however you say his name right, I try to say it correctly. Sorry if I butchered that, but 
they have invested in the right areas, but I don't think they invested in the midfield well enough after losing Jorginho. Um, when all them are again, sorry about the pronunciation, but I, I then I look at Chelsea. They're certainly purring, you know, up top and in the midfield, but I do think that their back line isn't as as maybe sound as as we all think it is, right? I think we kind of saw the same thing um, last year as well. <coughs> and then West Ham, I just don't think it's sustainable. You know, I think I think they'll they'll get Europe, but I just don't think it's sustainable. And like Todd, Man United scares me because. They have a very, very talented guy at the top right now, and they have a very good squad. It's very interesting, too. I'll just say really quick. I don't know if you guys saw it. Patrice Evra makes some very interesting comments about Ralph, Ralph Ragnick. It, it was very strange. Um, what did he say? He essentially just said, like, who is Ralph Ragnick? Like, Man United has to have bigger aspirations than this random guy from Germany. And it's like, holy crap, buddy. I don't know if you understand, like, what this guy did for – for German football and for the, the development of like the modern game. Right. He's, he's a very influential person um, and a smart dude. So I, was, I thought that was interesting, but I think Man United has a very talented guy at the top and obviously a very talented squad, right? You look, you look at obviously Ronaldo, you look at Rashford, you look at Paul Pogba. I think, you know, their, their back line is a little bit suspect, but um, I, I, I think it's, you know, Maguire's better than people give him credit for. That's kind of who I'm looking at there. But anyways, they're a good squad and they scare me too. But I think as I look at the table here, like I think second and third is like wide open for us. I think City wins the league, right? And I just think they're too fucking good. And they've, they're already starting to develop a gap. Um, people say no striker. I, that's not correct, right? They have Gabriel Jesus, who's a hell of a little player. And they've got uh, uh, Mares and... You even who's a uh, they're very talented, right? So, Silva, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Bernardo Silva might be the the best Portuguese player in the league. Like yeah. they've got Jack Grealish that's just picking daisies off their bench right now. Yeah, like exactly. I mean, they, they just they, they they their third team is well, um, good yeah. start at the top of the table. Yeah, and their and so, their back line and their midfield is very fucking good. Like, and it's very right. deep, right? And that's what matters. Like, people can say striker, striker, striker. With that, with the depth in midfield and and defense that that team has, it's just ridiculous. So they do win. You know what I would? Do you know what I would give for a Ruben Diaz, dude? Oh, dude, oh my god! Right? Uh, damn it, Enoch! Fuck you guys! Um, <laughs> Uh, no, honestly, well, it's, also, it's also important to to recognize though that you know I bring this conversation to you guys. And, and Todd said it earlier, it's not even Christmas. We saw last season an injury to a guy like Virgil van Dyke kind of changed a lot of, of, of the way things played out. An injury here or there um, to any of these teams can really change the, the course of, uh, and the fates of, of a season. Um, and, this, and, that, and that goes for, for Spurs as well. I mean, we, we talked about their depth earlier. They're going to need to stay healthy and they're going to need to, to continue to be on an onward trajectory in order to, you know, to make this run. But we're just saying for, for a club that four weeks ago really seemed like, holy shit, this is a mid table team. All of a sudden we're talking about a team that can be in contention and it is still early. We are, we are what about a third of the way through the season. Um, There's still a lot of football to be played, but it's just encouraging to know that, um, you know, Antonio Conte can, come in here and and start at least to put the building blocks down and, and turn this thing around. And it's kind of nice. Uh, and he has some body nice players. 
Right, and he hasn't had the opportunity to buy any players or or really to bin anyone off that that we still feel. You know, we talked about this in the summer. There there were players that need to be binned off. Musa Sissoko left. Eric Lamella left. Got you know, kind of extra pieces that were hanging around that we didn't feel like you know were going to be a long long term uh, part of the solution here. And and I think there are still there's still those guys in this team as well that need to be you know, that need to be shipped off. We talked about some of these midfielders, whether or not they're going to make it for the long term. So you're right. It, th- there is that opportunity and, and, and we, we get to see that going forward. Has anybody seen a Tongay picture since Conte got here? I mean, he was, he was on the bench today. He was, you know, I, I, well, I'm, I'm not saying that he wasn't on the bench. I'm just saying like, have we like, has the social media like shown him in training or is, I mean, like, is it like a thing? No, like, I, it, I think that speaks to what I was mentioning earlier is that, that without Hoybier and skip in this midfield, those other pieces that are around, don't they are kind of square pegs round hole situations for, 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 for what this midfield is doing so i, I you know I, whether deli alley can be transformed for a third or fourth time in his career whether or not lacelso and Ndombele can not just be guys that want to just go forward and attack all the time um I, those are all questions that that still are very, very much out in the ether, but guys, I wanted to close this on asking you both a question that I did not prep you for. So I'm fully prepared to get blank stares and, and, you know, just kind of haphazard answers at this, but I want to know, this is the, the question is, this is the best you felt about Tottenham Hotspur since when, because right now I feel like we're all feeling like, Oh, this is good. And this is being turned around kind of in the right direction. But it's been a while for that, right? I mean, I feel like we're all kind of buzzing a little bit and at a level. I mean, I did. I don't think I felt this positive going forward about Spurs at all during the Mourinho era. Um, that's I, me personally. Um, when we were top of the league and, you know, I, I kind of bought in under Mourinho, I kind of bought in a little bit to the, hey, however many one nil victories it takes like this is what this guy does like if this is what we can do it but right. i mean ultimately you know having nine dudes stand in front of your own box for half the three quarters of the matches in a way to win a league in 20, 2021 <laughs> so I, uh i i don't know man it, maybe before maybe before the fa cup semi-final against Mourinho's uh united team uh, where we inexplicably played fucking Vorm. Yeah, and that's going back a ways too, right? That's 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 the. I remember going into that match thinking, "Holy fuck, I'm gonna see Spurs beat United to go to an FA Cup final. This is the only trophy. Like, this is the trophy that I want to see us win." I mean, what was that? 2018, if I'm not mistaken, or 17, yeah, something 17 like that. 17 or 18. It was a while. It was a while ago, but it was it wasn't as far back as the the stats Scott pulled earlier in the show, but. <laughs> It was it was a while ago, Scotty. What about you? When when is the last time you felt this positive and this you know just encouraged about the outlook and the future of Spurs? I specifically remember it was about a year ago, actually, when we lost at Anfield at the death to the Firmino header. Oh, God, I remember oh. that game. Jeez, well here, that was that was a really encouraging match. You're right. Even well, at a yeah, like up to that point, so we went to Anfield, top of the table, just about Christmas, right? As Todd mentioned, under Mourinho, we were starting to kind of show that we might be able to play his brand of football and continue to do well with Son and Kane, purring, et cetera. Now, a couple matches leading up to that, we had gotten the three points, but it was a little shaky. And so I think I had a 
slight reservation. And then when we lost that match and I think Liverpool went above us, I just kind of had this feeling in the pit of my stomach that that was the end of, of that potential title run. And it was only Christmas, right? So it was probably high hopes anyways, but that was, that was the last time I felt positive about Spurs. And before that, it was a while. I mean, I, I remember specifically when we lost three nil to Brighton under Potch and I, told my dog that we were fucking terrible at football right after at, at like the full-time whistle is I just remember have that vivid memory right of saying we are just fucking terrible Forky but um and, and that was kind of when it all unraveled under Potch and then up until that little run under Mourinho you know I, I had him in positive about Spurs so it's like it's almost probably like other than that little stint under Mourinho about six months prior to Potch being sacked um and I don't remember the exact moment, right? But but yeah, it's been a while. And again, as we said in the beginning of the show, I'll credit to Antonio Conte for that for sure. Um, yeah, no question. Well, well, we'll have to see if Antonio Conte can get Spurs to advance in Europe. That comes up this Thursday. Uh, they of course do you play... want them to? Uh, that's a good. No. That's another good question. Well, listen, we all know that Antonio, like Antonio Conte, didn't get Inter Milan, the champions of Italy, out of the group stages of the Champions League. Like, he has, if there's been a knock on Antonio Conte, it's just been his hyper focus doesn't necessarily lend itself to success in multiple competitions, Andrew. If, look, if, if, if I have to sacrifice not getting out of the group in the Europa Conference League in order to get a top four run this year, I'm I'm on, I'm on board with that because I think that's way more important. Well, this Um, is kind of my point. Like, right. I would. But, would but, you but play Dayton Scarlett? Does Antonio I, Conte just straight up say I don't care? No, 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 no. I don't think he does that. I think they go into this game trying to win it. Uh, they, of course, cannot win the group any longer. Um, that will go to to Vitesse, correct? If I'm not mistaken, um, or is it? No, it's Ren. I'm sorry, Ren. Ren will win the group. Uh, they have to battle Vitesse for, for second and play in that extra knockout round. So we'll see how that works out. But. Um, I'm I'm already you know I am I would like to see them advance but I'm already looking forward to the three games following <coughs> that because they are three kind of massive games you've got Sunday next Sunday coming up away to Brighton and then the following Thursday away to Leicester and then they come home before Christmas um, and get a home match with Liverpool but before turning around and playing in the quarterfinal of the League Cup against West Ham those are some fun that's a that's a that's a fun little um, bit. And, and we kind of knew going into this run that Spurs were going to be able to pile up some points. This is where it starts to get a little tough and, and, and a little fun as well. And I like that. Well, Scotty, you want to lead on this? No, go for it. All right, man. So I'm amped about Brighton. I think that that's going to be a match where we're really going to get to see Spurs open up a little bit. And I'm really excited about it. Shout out to Neil Mapai, which I'm pretty sure is fully coised. Uh, for his 98th minute winner, uh, or I'm sorry, equalizer against Southampton yesterday. Big shout. It was nastiness. Um, but I think, I think we roll Brighton. I think I told you, I think if there's a game that you can circle on your calendar for Harry Kane to come alive in the score column is going to be that game on the 16th against Leicester. He owns Casper Schmeigel. He keeps him in his basement in a little cage. I'm telling you, he is going to just absolutely explode on that poor man, and it's going to be fantastic. Now, all of us, Andrew, are circling the next two matches, and it's that that match against Liverpool at home, and then it's that uh, truly their cup final, and I God, I hope to make it so. 
that that poor little brother team from from down the way uh, in, in the Carabao Cup. So I, I think that that is really where we're going to see uh, on the 22nd of December um, what our new year is actually going to look like, Andrew. It's interesting that it, that it would come down to something like that too with a West Ham team that's obviously playing well and is obviously, I think, better than anyone expected because they're dealing with European football as well. Um, I, I, I'm just... I hate to say it, but like little little brothers, like got 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 some muscles. He, he's starting to walk around with some sleeveless shirts on, and I'm like, wow, like little little brother looks 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 like he's been lifting weights, and and I'm not afraid of him yet, but um, but I am at least recognizing that that he's been you know he's been putting some work in. We've seen a David Moyes team look like this before, <clears throat> and uh, it, it's we're, something tells me we're going to be all right. Scotty, where are you at on this, man? I agree with you. I think they'll, they'll fizzle out. But I, I think uh, these next two games are huge. If, if you know, the, the, the two you mentioned, right? When I say that, Liverpool and West Ham. And I think if you if you do win those two matches, for, a win against Liverpool just tells us that this Conte bid is, is for real, right? And it's not just a manager bunk. If we get that win, it's a significant turning point in the season. And then the Carabao Cup, I, if I'm Conte... Just like we said under Mourinho, right? Get that trophy monkey off the back. Get yourself a Carabao Cup. But Conte can actually do that, I think, right? Um, sorry, Jose. But I really do think that Conte could actually do that. we got to win three football games to get a trophy. You can't, um, you can't sack the guy six days before a cup final. Why did I say that? Why did I say that? This is ridiculous. I, anyway, you, you know how well, especially how especially when you know his job is so much uh, harder than, than, than else <laughs> that's is. why he gets paid yeah. so much more. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I totally take back what I said because Marino probably could have got us the league. Oh, I'm 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 leaving it in and I'm editing out your apology. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. Listen, not. here's here's <laughs> the thing. Here's the thing on the League Cup, right? Like as we're looking at it, we're in the quarters, right? The other teams, like Arsenal, gets Sunderland, shocker, perfect. Yeah, right. Uh, Chelsea gets Brentford, uh, which Brentford, again, to your credit, Andrew, uh, actually looked pretty solid today. I mean, it ended up being a draw, but they looked pretty decent against Leeds, uh, Liverpool, Leicester. Uh, so, I mean, realistically, if we're looking at this, it's probably going to be Scum, Chelsea, Liverpool, us, or you, uh, West Ham, who gets out of this. So, your prize, boys, for beating West Ham in this match is likely the Scum or Chelsea. Let's go. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's 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 tough to it's tough to win silverware as Spurs have have found out in the last. I love it. However many years, what 13, 14 years, something like that. So, uh, but that's of course down the road. Love it. Look, they still got a chance to win silverware in Europe, and that comes up Thursday, and then, like I said, uh, uh, Brighton rather uh, next Sunday. So we will be back then to talk about those matches and and much much more. Uh, This has been a fun one, guys. And and look, we're excited. We just talked about it. How long have you felt this? positive about the outlook for spurs it has been quite a while uh and it will continue to hopefully grow and 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 our hearts will grow as we uh, head toward the holiday season and and watch antonio conte transform our beloved tottenham hotspur uh you can follow todd at tc underscore kasho you can follow scott at dsm spurs follow me at a stetka follow us at tottenham depot on both twitter and instagram tell a friend leave a review leave a rating all of those good things uh, we love to hear from you uh love to love to get the interactions on the socials as as has been picking up here 
uh, as, as Spurs have been picking up, and it's been fun to watch. Guys, this has been fun. Uh, until next time, as always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>